This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Spartan 117. Welcome to Quality Time, the KO Koala Entertainment Podcast. Anthony and Skyler will take it from here. Master Chief, out. Welcome to Quality Time, the KO Koala Entertainment Podcast. My name is Anthony Nicolosi. And I'm Skylar Sokol. And Skylar, what are we talking about today? Today, we're talking about randomness. Random! We're talking about Anthony's gambling addiction. No, Ooh, it's called the stock market. <laughs> Actually true. That really is your gambling uh-huh. addiction. But that's not what we're here to talk about. Don't leave. Don't leave. Please don't leave. Um, we're here to talk about randomness in video games. And um, also, I think probably this conversation will span to board games as well, since randomness plays a very large role that are even more than in video games a lot of the time. Well, I think so. Mm -hmm. What is randomness? Um, According to game theoretical concepts, randomness is information that enters the game state, which is not supposed to ever be predictable. Okay. That's an interesting definition. Yeah. Okay. I think that is pretty reasonable. Like in its purest form, randomness is unpredictable information. Okay. Uh, okay. Or unpredictable events, right? So, um, this is distinct, though, from things that are unpredictable or uncertain in games. Like, for example, in chess, you're uncertain of what move your opponent's going to make, and it may be hard to predict it. But that's not randomness. Right. Okay. Chess has, is a game with no randomness, even though it does have unpredictability. As this article on Gamma Sutra by Keith Bergen that I found about randomness in game design says, all games must have some kind of unpredictability in order to function, but randomness isn't the only way to achieve that. Now, interestingly enough, this is totally unrelated to randomness, but this statement is a little untrue nowadays with the existence of like walking simulators and stuff. Those kinds of narrative, strictly linear narrative experiences reduce unpredictability almost to zero, and they are still considered games in some way. I would actually say a lo- idle games that don't involve elements of randomness also would can break that significantly reduce unpredictability. Yeah, it is interesting. I mean, you can literally just run, for example, even thinking about our trivia game, you run research. If all you ever did was research, there's no I guess the question then is, randomness. is that a game? Yeah, is yeah, what, is what and that's probably, probably that's ask. maybe another topic, I guess. Right. Um, anyway, but yeah, interesting. Yeah, there's two types of randomness um, that are uh, two categories, and this is where I think randomness gets really interesting: input randomness and output randomness. Output okay. randomness is when we think of randomness in games, we're usually referring to output randomness. It is noise injected between the player's decision and the outcome. For example, it would be the dice roll combat in Risk or Memoir 44. It's like if in Dota, for example, when a hero attacks another hero, they randomly do damage within a range. Mm -hmm. um, And that's determined after you attack. Um, So, and... Okay, sorry. Yeah, yeah. That does not have output randomness is technically deterministic in that it is fully uh, all right. the information in the system is fully available for at the once the input is done. 
Yes, and executing a set of inputs will always result in the same output. Right. If in it's a, deterministic. In something with no output randomness. That's right. Right. Yep. Um, now, granted, this gets more complex when there's multiple people, but if all of those people perform the same inputs, you'll still get the same mm-hmm. outcome, even though from their individual perspectives, stuff might be unpredictable. Mm-hmm. Um, input randomness, on the other hand, informs the player before you make a decision. In my opinion, the most simple example of this is shuffling a deck of cards before you play a card game. That's okay. input randomness, but then drawing the cards and putting them into your hand is output randomness. Technically, it would be more simple if the game was fully phased, if the cards were fully face up. Like, for example, the map generation in a civilization game, right? You generate the whole map randomly at the beginning of the game, but then the map is the same for the entire game. And that information is always this, is stable throughout the game. Input randomness would would theoretically being told the odds of getting something in a pack be a form of input randomness? No, that is output randomness because you're you're it's still random from your decision to open the pack to what you get. Okay. Um, hmm. input randomness is when something is already determined randomly, but then you you're d- acting based on that new information. I see. I see. Right? Okay. So like, um, yeah. Okay, so, so, so like map generation in, in a game or like dungeon generation in a game, right? That's done at the beginning. That's input right. Like randomness. Minecraft biome generation is an right. Generate a Minecraft randomness. map. Input randomness. Yes, um, but like what mobs spawn on at nighttime is output randomness. Right, right. Because like it the the state Unless of the you, biome and right. your presence in it the context of your presence in it determines it like influences the randomness that I'm comes assuming about. I'm assuming unless there's like a really specific algorithm that you could know in advance and then maybe you could turn monster spawning into input randomness cuz you can deterministically right. identify what monsters will spawn No with. I agree I think it's output okay yeah. Yeah. so interesting interesting wrinkles in that I think maybe also as interesting is why are you interested? I feel like output r- randomness, when when people think of it, when like you said, when people think randomness, RNG, as the chat was saying earlier, they think of output randomness. Yes. What fascinates you about input randomness? Uh, well, for me, I think I, I associate input randomness. So no randomness, like a deterministic situation like chess, for example. I think is a strategy game. It's like a strategic overarching strategy game. And right. for me, long-term strategy is less interesting than short-term tactical decision-making. And input randomness is very good at producing that. Like, for example, drawing a hand in Magic the Gathering is input randomness. You draw your hand and then you react to what's in your hand. You make decisions based off that. Okay. Um. Output randomness for me is less interesting. Like, for example, if I play a card in Magic the Gathering that says roll a die based on the die roll, you do this much damage. That situation can, in my opinion, be really frustrating, right? Like, let's say you literally winning the game hinges on you rolling like a five or a six and you roll like a two. You just lost the game, not based on your skill, but based on the roll of a die. Granted, that's no statement on whether that's exciting or not, especially from a spectation perspective. That can be really exciting. Right. But for the person experiencing it, depending on their mindset, that can be really frustrating. Yeah, in a way, okay, if you thought of the states of this game prior to you 
getting that card and making that move and then after it the 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 outcome of the output randomness is almost a form of input randomness into the subsequent state, right? Like, uh, this, yes, 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 and, totally true. And so, for that reason, it can be redeemable in a way, right? Well, like, I, but I don't think that output randomness is necessary in that situation. I would be fine with that not output randomness not existing. Sure. I still think it would be equally tactically interesting because your opponent is making unpredictable decisions. That yes. provide new information anyway, right? Yeah, just for what it's worth, when you were when you were just talking about it, um, I was I was thinking that that like I think that's part of the element of what makes multiplayer games so interesting, um, especially from a strategic standpoint, is because the the uncertainty of the actions of the other players is a form of input randomness that m- keeps things fresh. It's not randomness; fresh. that's unpredictability. It is unpredictability, yeah. but like if it's if not you kind random of look at it, because it's it it's predictable by them yeah Um, technically by our definition of randomness that's not randomness but i see what you mean it's changing the game state in such a way that you need to react to it similar to how input randomness does that as well it gives you like a different avenue for creating tactical situations that doesn't need any form of randomness right Mm -hmm. that's what makes it so interesting i agree completely now there's a whole I I think right a whole genre of games centered around input randomness almost in roguelites correct roguelikes like, uh, have a combination of input and output randomness for sure like they're randomly generated dungeons but it's output randomness like what items you find even though it's right. determined at the beginning you don't know so it's not really input randomness um, right but like input randomness the, especially no, the whole I guess notion it still of still is input randomness right. Because it is it's, pre- deter- it's yeah predetermined, right? Right. Even if you don't and know about it, that doesn't necessarily make it output randomness. Yeah, and you so you're love totally right. Roguelites, you Absolutely. love roguelites. They're like yeah. one of the most tactical genres of games from a single player perspective that you can have, right? Because you have to make so many split second decisions based on your current situation, uh, because of like what random stuff you get. Um, an output randomness example of a game just for people who are listening is like for example like gambling is almost all output randomness right like roulette is output mm-hmm. ran- and some people love that shit mm-hmm. i'm not one of those people but <laughs> yeah i i think yeah that just that general uh, i i feel like to some extent it's it, it, it uh, everyone loves output like the um advantageous and beneficial output randomness result and it's the thrill of it that like can be so addicting i feel like for some people yeah i mean there's a reason that people don't play gambling games generally without betting on them right and there's also a reason why there's fucking laws around people who are too young and shit playing them because right yeah there's a i feel like there's a big weakness i don't know some kind of crazy evolutionary trait from like when we went fishing as cavemen and it was like fuck am i gonna get a fish this time oh fuck i got a fish you know like i don't know where it comes from how deep-seated it is but yeah humans humans love benefit extrinsic uh, rewards yeah yeah well and and when it's especially because a lot of times the um, element of randomness 
I'm thinking uh, it's also part of the reason why these monetization systems that are centered around mon- um, randomness, loot boxes were, and such, yeah, that now are kind of you know they're being outlawed or at least shunned in a lot of ways um, by development. But they were they definitely did their job in getting people to pay a fuck ton of money for some stuff because there's also this like well you know I could just I, I could get way more. A bigger payoff than like the relative risk I took with this, and that's addicting for people too. Anyway, yeah. yeah to um, get back to the to the game side of things, um, yeah. So I, I, I why I said the the roguelites thing is because a lot of the things I, I feel like all the points you made in there about how you liked it, how it's I think similar to like multiplayer things. It's like there's an element of continuity, but there's a dynamicism to like the the refreshing of things every run that is compe- is so compelling. There's an right? unpredictability that doesn't feel unfair because you have time to like make decisions based on it. Mm-hmm. Um, Sean makes a real Rollick makes a really good point in chat about Hearthstone and its output randomness. Hearthstone has some of the most output randomness of any video game like so many of the cards when you play them have random effects target random units make random things happen what cards you draw is technically like output randomness um and what those car what effects those cards have is as well um Mm -hmm. sean says and i agree with this that when output randomness is at its most fun is when both players get an equal amount of positive rng events you know what I mean? Like, if stuff yeah. goes well for me randomly and then stuff goes well, that's an exciting match. But it's it, unfortunately, the fate is fully determined by the chaos, right? Like, right. Like, that, in that same situation where my thing, like, destroys your most important unit, but then your thing destroys my most important unit, there's the time where my thing hits your shitty thing and you literally just kill me on your next turn, right? Right. Now, I feel like there's also different grades of output randomness there's like totally straight up and i don't know maybe this breaks the definition you can let me know but there's like straight up randomness where you do something and like the roll of the dice or whatever well even the roll of the dice to some extent like there's uh, what i'm thinking in my head is there's situations where you have like controlled randomness in a way where i like i'm thinking of like yeah like where you have like maybe a pokemon card where you know that um okay this attack is uh, i don't know at like it, it, there's a difference between an attack that has is a multiplier that has a possibility of returning a zero and maybe this other one that's like a guaranteed number plus uh, sure. a randomness right sure now that that yeah and making the decision like weighing your uh risk is can be a really interesting to sit, thing to do. Right. And that is one thing output randomness can produce is like making you assess various levels of risk, which is an interesting decision. Yeah, and it adds another wrinkle when you are strategizing against your opponent maybe because you're you're thinking like, well, I can make this move that puts him in a situation to consider that play and or not, blah blah blah. So, uh, yeah, I what do you I don't know. Do you can you think of um, where this is kind of also aimed as like, can you think of games that maybe you find the output randomness adds to it tastefully for you? Um, because I, I'll just say I I am generally like the way I would put say it is that I find output randomness to be a lot of fun in casual games. 
if there if I'm in a competitive game, I want like basically zero of it. You know. Yeah, I, I think that's a really strong statement, and I agree. And um, D Pickles in the chat brings up D and D and as as an example, and that was something in my brain as well. D and D is a game. Literally, output randomness is the core mechanic of D and D. Rolling dice. Literally, anything you do, you roll a dice. Generally, and honestly, so I played D and D recently with D Pickles and some other people, and. The least fun situations for me were when I got screwed by the randomness. Yeah, where it comes down to the randomness. And the most fun situations for me were when my randomness paid off and the like cool thing I thought I should be able to do happened. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. is that that doesn't I don't think that translates necessarily to fun for me. Like I would almost rather a situation where I describe what I want to do to the dungeon master and they just make a decision based on its viability and how they're feeling in the narrative of whether that should work or not rather than letting a dice determine it some of the time. Mhm. For me yeah. personally, I know some people don't feel that way, but that's maybe how I feel about it. Yeah, I I can't I am struggling also to think about a game in which I care about winning. In which I enjoy the randomness, you right. know? That's really um, hard. Yeah, I feel like if, if my intention is to win, I don't want there to be randomness. If my intention is to have fun, I find randomness um, randomness interesting. I'm no, and maybe to- that's a that's an interesting like point on my perspective that I just present on D&D, right? Maybe I'm thinking too much about like wanting my actions to complete rather than just wanting to experience like the story of what happens as determined by the randomness. Like those two perspectives could totally shift my view of the dice rolls, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm, because I I think the key thing is I like I like unpredictability in my challenges. They, mm-hmm. That makes them fun. Um, and and um, sort of demands at some uh, an inherent amount of skill. Like when you play against other people in a multiplayer game, when you're dealing with the mobs in Minecraft, you know, Vinny's calling out Minecraft. It's fun to be presented with like dynamic circumstances and, tr- and trying to f- feel things out. But I'm kind of thinking of like, well, what if I had a bow in Minecraft that shot like random arrows that included like a shitty shot? For example, okay, in Super Smash Brothers, my favorite uh-huh. character to use is Mr. Game and Watch. And mm-hmm. I never fucking use his side B, which really? is the hammer. Never. That's because so the funny. amount of times the stupid ass nine shows up is hardly anything. And I, I personally haven't spent enough time to maybe like utilize the other numbers and make them efficient or whatever. But like, I just, I ignore the RNG element, even though there's a possibility of that big payoff if right. you get the nine. See, and I think Game and Watch's side B is like one of his most fun mechanics because I think it's fun in those situations. And so in, in Blaze Blue, a fighting game I play, there's a character named Platinum. She, when you hit a button, summons a random weapon that she can fi- fight with for a little while. And I think those situations are really... F- they're fun because that's sort of input randomness in a way to a situation where you have to make a decision based on like what item you right, got. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. And that yeah. for me is very fun, but I totally see what you mean, that like the risk isn't necessarily worth it for you. You might as well just use a, the turtle that you know is going to fuck them up every time. Right, right. Exactly. <laughs> well, exactly. Now, to your point, I thought, so my favorite, probably my favorite mode in Halo 5 was called Super Fiesta, and okay. the way it works is it's just... Every time you spawn, you are randomly spawned with two weapons of any kind in the game. So, like, you could spawn with the most legendary rocket launcher and the fucking most legendary sniper, 
or you could spawn with the fucking shittiest ass like automatic guns in the game too. Uh-huh. And I love that thing. Not only is it because I think you know you enable the entire gamut of sandbox items, and so it can be chaos. But the the dyna- it keeps it so fresh. Like every time you spawn in, you have not I only mean, your thing to consider, but the other team's like dynamic spawns to that's consider. That's a very like roguelike design there, right? It's that's fun like as a, fuck. Amazing fun input as, randomness. Yeah, it's fun as fuck, but it's obviously broken like competitively um it'd be interesting to see like that kind of a mode with like a set of weapons you know Mm -hmm. what i mean Mm -hmm. but anyway um yeah i love that of weapons they think are all balanced so no matter what loadout it's technically balanced balanced enough relatively or something and that you could play the probability to kind of almost ensure that the team would land with a certain general set or i don't know but um Anyway, I, I yeah, I don't I, I I feel like the the managing the unpredictability is fun in a competitive standpoint, but the straight up randomness of things is is very frustrating. Now I'll tell you, in Dota, there actually is a ton of output randomness, or technically there was. Like I said, there's attack ranges, so your attacks do damage in a range. A bunch of things have percent chances to trigger in various situations. Right. And almost every single random element in Dota has been shifted to pseudo-randomness over the past three to five years. What do you mean um, by pseudo-randomness? So, for example... There's this character named Axe who every time he gets attacked, he has a chance to spin and do damage to everything around him. Okay. Previously, it was just like a flat 30% chance or whatever. Now, as it doesn't trigger, the chance it will trigger goes up. So essentially, it guarantees, and some of them are even more out like specific like things that used to trigger 25 percent of the time now just trigger like every three attacks for example Mm -hmm. so basically they've tried to smooth it out so you're basically always hitting either like the 30 percent is always going to be 30 percent you're not going to get like weird events where it happens like 10 times in a row or like never happens after 10 times Mm -hmm. um instead you're gonna get a very uniform consistent thing because people were frustrated that like in a competitive game like dota output randomness was determining a lot mm-hmm. yeah no that's super interesting um, it is because that you know that's a game that's been around for like 20 20 years or whatever right. and they only in the last like few started shifting to the pseudo random perspective where it was like oh wait this stuff is actually taking away from the competitiveness of the game well i was going to ask you like do you think it's a an act of them coming to that realization or is that an act of them just trying to like freshen up the meta a bit no i definitely think it's the realization i don't think it really because that doesn't really change the meta much like okay um it's just making things more predictable in a game where predictability matter like in competitive games some amount of predictability matters because if everything is unpredictable it's impossible to like use skill to win Mm -hmm. right so that oh, was yeah. trying to eliminate I, some predictability. I, I really like unpredictability. in games that I, I really like games that when games can offer both um kinds of experiences. Um it's part of the reason why I I think I have played so much fucking Halo over the years, is there's this variety of like if you want to be competitive, the la- you know, a, a a something that can 
be almost more deterministic, right? Like it's just an execution and having a, having fun with it, just managing the unpredictability of the other player's strategies or whatever. And then there's modes that are just pure, pure fucking chaos. It's like, it's a, I don't know, for me at least, it's a different, I'm in a different mood. My brain's in a different state. I'm looking for a different kind of experience when I'm moving into to stuff like that. And actually, I feel like conversations with my wife, with Brittany, some of the games she likes more, she Jesse Shell makes this point in in his book where randomness can help decrease the skill gap. Yes, right. So like, it's part of the reason why Out, she'll output randomness specifically. Output randomness will help yes. increase decrease the skill gap, and it's part of the reason why um you know like I'll I'll never play Brittany in a one-on-one in super smash but we'll play one with like fucking tons of items and lots of pokeballs or whatever right yes so anyway yeah um now we have both ben and rollick in the chat which means we gotta talk about pokemon and temtem um another very interesting example of the conflict of output randomness pokemon is a game competitive even competitive vgc level pokemon has a ton of output randomness like crits there's status effects that are random how long the statuses are Mm -hmm. effect are random whether they happen is random so much random stuff in pokemon and like honestly when i watch people play competitive pokemon some of the people who've been playing for a really long time just know they have to just like shrug it off when something horribly ridiculously random fucks them over um Mm -hmm. but a lot of people get really angry so temtem came along essentially a pokemon clone and said we're gonna make pokemon but with zero output randomness temtem has is completely deterministic if you knew the full move sets of all the tems on both players teams and all their like stat decisions you it's technically solved like the game is solvable right it's completely deterministic but because of the player unpredictability obviously it it gets out mm-hmm. of that that determinism but yeah they literally put um essentially no output randomness in that game and there's a large community of people who really like that um i don't know whether I find it more interesting or not. It definitely feels more fair from a competitive standpoint, but that also means I think it's like a lot less exciting to watch. I have to be honest. Like Pokemon is really exciting to watch. And I, I don't know if it's the output randomness that does that for me, but I do generally enjoy watching Pokemon more than I enjoy watching Temtem. So I don't know why. When you were talking about this, the thing I thought of was sports in real life was like sports are mostly like sports have, are deterministic. Have, yeah, they, they yeah they are, but there are like some elements because of humans playing them that are kind of random. You yeah, know, what I, I think mean? there's enough variables that even though they're deterministic, it is impossible to take into account all of the variables to force them to actually be deterministic. Right? right? Like you can't measure the wind resistance right. against the football to guarantee your throw a hundred percent of the time. You can't measure the fact that like they threw that ball in this particular stadium at this time of day where the glare is going to hit just right, right so right, the motherfucker right. can't see. You know, there are like, variables that essentially make it make random, it, even right. though it's technically I deterministic. I guess that's true. Yeah. That's true. yeah. Um, but anyway, I just to say, I, I feel like those are part of the elements that make those compelling to watch, too. It's like the, 
the, the, like, yeah, sure, the two teams have their strategies, but it's like, what can they execute them? What will be the wrinkle that comes in? You know, the player who slips that moment of lapse or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Meaning, right. just to your point of like, Pokemon's more fun to watch. Um, yeah, uh, I, I agree. I feel like in some ways it also, again, makes it more, I don't know, understandable for the person who's watching. Like, you, you kind of, I think well, to appreciate some of those Temtem moves, right? Like, you need to like sort of understand really what it went into that move, right? right. Um, but in Pokemon, anyway. if you see like a big crit, you know that's exciting regardless of the thought that right. went into it. I will say with sports too, though, that like imagine um, a sport in like football if instead of getting to choose your play, you roll the die and that determined mm -hmm. what play you did, right? Mm -hmm. That would make the game less fun. Or, yeah, well, it I may think make it more fun, to, interesting to watch just because it'd be goofy. But from like a competitive standpoint, it would really hurt the game. I mm -hmm. think the human error randomness, which is maybe its own form of randomness that yeah, isn't really weird. in the categories, right, um, is really interesting. And people relate to that a lot. I agree with you on that for sure. Yeah, Ben makes the point that in chat, I mean, you need to understand some of the depth of Pokemon to fully understand all of it. Absolutely, like for sure. Um, just to make, it was just to kind of back up the comment on like, I think it is more spectator friendly. No, than. totally. I mean, like you can watch someone roll a die in a game. doesn't even, even if you don't really know the rules and you can probably figure out pretty easily whether that roll was exciting or not, right? Right. Right. Um, whereas if someone makes like a really strategic decision, it can be extremely difficult to like parse why that was so exciting. I mean, I'm just thinking now about Rocket League and even though Rocket League in that sense is deterministic, right? In a way. Absolutely. There's yeah, the Rocket unpredictability. League is 100% deterministic. Yeah. You do have like this element of the human error just because right. of the insane mechanical depth required at those levels you know right, what i mean which i think this game theory article would call unpredictability but i think i really feel like there should be like a third category of randomness where that would fall human right randomness. because like i can't <laughs> determine if i'm going to fuck up my uh yeah. aerial right well and you can't determine sort of the state of mind a person goes into the game that influences something like that like if you're nervous as fuck uh, it, it 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 has a effect on your ability to execute you know um or especially like momentum like in games like morale momentum in in some of these things when humans are involved right you know, yeah that, humans that plays such a big role definitely fuck shit up with that for sure yeah <laughs> um sean brings up another good point on another interesting way to reduce output randomness which a lot of board games do in some ways and some video games is long sets um, right. This also reduces the human error randomness too. That's why in like you know sports playoffs, they generally do like best of sevens in video game esports. They do best of fives, best of threes, whatever. Generally, long sets reduce unpredictability in general and balance out the randomness in general. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So long sets are a good way to reduce that, but they do take a long time, right? So you have to balance that for spe that's from the spectating perspective. No, it's yeah, it's it's interesting how you're, that comment. Some sports do do that, and some don't. Like we just finished the South American soccer championships, and the European ones just wrapped up, and those are there. There's group stages at the beginning, but after that, it's knockout. You know, it's, it's one all best game. of one. Yeah, like game, that's great. Well, and also like the Super Bowl, right? 
Yep. The fo- best in football. Of- football kind of makes sense because you beat the fuck out of each other. And so, like, you can't. <laughs> How many times can you do right. that before? But, um, yeah. Anyway, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting. It does make those moments more, you know, intense. You know, I'm sure there's. There's probably some viewership bonus. Best of ones are really exciting, dude. That's for sure. But um, it's true. Yeah, that I yeah totally makes sense. Longer sets, less uh, more predictable. At least it's yeah, it's more likely that the more skilled group will win if the longer the set is. Right on. Um. All right. Do we have any Patreon questions? Yes, we do. I saw. I think we had like two. So maybe we save one for next week. Which one you want to do? We'll we'll just hit Evans because he asked first. Uh, you want me to read it? Good. Yeah, I was coughing. So you guys dying over there. All right. Do you think a platform like Steam will be replaced by something else? In parentheses, he says like Facebook. It feels impossible for another company to sell games and reach the same level of user base. This is asked by Evan Evco Music, who is releasing a new single, by the way, on the 28th of this month. Yes. So, Anthony and I have actually talked about this exact topic before. Uh, Not on the podcast, but in our lives. And I've also talked to some other people about it, too. Um, I I mean, the most interesting example to bring up with this question right now is the Epic Game Store, right? Like, Mm -hmm. we gotta talk about Epic Game Store if we're gonna talk about Steam Somebody supplanting Steam, yeah. Steam, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we saw Tom Sweeney, Tim Sweeney, come out and say, "Look, we're intentionally losing fuck tons of money on the Epic Game Store in order to even try to compete with Steam." Do you yeah. think they've been successful? What is your opinion on where the Epic Game Store is at? I mean, for the way, so he's followed that particular tweet in a way that kind of influences my thought here because he. He said that the way they see it is that this was an investment that was going to take maybe even a decade to execute, right? And and that's, first of all, I think a, a, an important realization. I mean, I would say M- Microsoft had more resources to pull off a Steam competitor in the Microsoft store. And, we, and so far, we've seen how that's gone. The Microsoft right? Store's fucking horrible still. Right. Like, they've done I mean, like it, nothing to make it better. And that's a big aspect of that. Like, um, the I, I think, like, the rich... So, there's two things, I think. One is something that Rollick just said in chat, which is, he says, I mean, why? Like, why make a Steam competitor? And Epic is proving the point. Is like, you are not going to easily, without some kind of combination of good foundational features plus some killer app that's on your thing right like if somebody tomorrow comes out with some crazy augmented reality that somehow just by putting on whatever fucking headset that they have that's 50 dollars completely changes everything you've ever known about video games and you can only download it through their store and whatever um the the um, the investment required to like even compete is like i mean look super significant epic had fortnite that's essentially exactly what you're talking about that is something that like was the most played game in the world at so at points and still that wasn't necessarily enough to i mean epic games were still alive so maybe it's doing better than we think but like it's definitely not competing with steam in any like notable real way the thing that i think is still just so interesting is like i mean Sorry, to first comment on the Epic game. Not only do they have Fortnite, but I would say um, Epic's strategy long-term 
with Unreal Engine as well and giving developers of Unreal Engine significant discounts for publishing on Unreal, I think is another combination of their thing. I think like Epic's honestly got a couple of meaningful ways to have kicked this off and yeah. we'll see how it plays out. But the thing that still kind of like blows my mind a little bit is I feel like the, the thing Steam is so it, the reason why I will go to Steam over Epic Games to look for stuff is just like a lot of what I would call like a huge amount of quality of life little things, you know? I mean, like, they've had decades to add all that, right? Like they've they had have so had, long had, to come up yeah, with all that. I just like the wish listing stuff. I guess that's what the, what I'm trying to say. The little things is like how Steam's, Steam it seems to like uh, uh, excel over the totally other guys. Agreed. I think... Yeah, I don't know. The in my previous conversation on this topic, our conclusion, whoever I was talking to, I can't remember. We decided that really the only company that could feasibly do something to compete with Steam would have to be Oh no, you know, actually I'm I'm realizing that's not Maybe I was talking about Twitch competing, Twitch. And not Steam competing. But it was about Discord trying to compete. Yeah, I remember this. That's actually that was related to Twitch, right? One. But I think Discord. I mean, Discord tried though. We have to note, Discord had a game store. It had a game app within Discord, and they scrapped it because it was so unsuccessful. People used well, it so little. I, yeah, I think. Well, it's just like what Epic is showing. It's like you have to. The the one of the ways I mean we know this too a great way to get people's attention is to give away free shit yep. right and like that is uh, that's been a huge way that they've gotten people able to, like to check out the Epic Store like I, I, there's been a few times where I'm like holy fuck that game's for free like totally. you know um, but that <laughs> that costs money and not everyone made Fortnite. <laughs> uh, and then there's also you have like the Microsofts who are just like maybe looking at it and they're it, I'm like, for example, it's interesting. Microsoft now like their first party games are coming out day and date on Steam. Right. Like Microsoft's like super. They gave up. Steam. Right? They essentially gave up. That is at least that's the way it looks. Yeah. You know, I, I and I don't know. Maybe, you know, their strat right there is like, you know, instead of us spending a fuck ton of money comp- competing on a storefront. How about we spend a fuck ton of money, like somehow maybe integrating Game Pass into Steam, you know? Right, and so making like, a if, deal with Steam that still benefits them, but also utilizes what yeah, Steam already let's has. Let's make Game Pass work with Steam people. You know what I mean? It's like so. Yeah. If you had Game Pass, somehow you still get it free on that, Steam. Like it, you can download. I it. will be a hundred percent honest. If Game Pass was available fully on Steam, I would probably own it for sure. I, I don't, don't own it right now, and I have. I have canceled it so many times, literally almost exclusively because I never want to look on the Microsoft store ever. Like yeah. if, if it was on Steam, it would be hard for me to decide not to own it. And can I also say, because when we talked about this before, it's been a while since we talked about this, but um, I was, this, you know, I, I come from a console background. Like right. I have owned consoles all my life. And I was telling you like, what's the big deal about downloading a different launcher? You know, like, mm-hmm. It's not that big of a deal, but I'll I'll be honest. I now after some time, I can. We're such like people of like habit and um um comfort. Not not comfort. It's not the right word. Familiarity, right? It's like I I I spend all my time in Steam. I want it here. You know, like I right. there was a game that was available on Game Pass. I found out retroactively, but I bought it on Steam because I wanted it in that list. You know, I did that. With I don't want to have. 
I rebought it on Steam and, and returned my Game Pass so that I could buy it on Steam. <laughs> but you know, it's just like I want to when I'm sitting there and I want to play games. I want to open. I want like a single place to look at the games I have. 100%. I don't want to like open all the other things. I don't have to like remember that I owed games in fucking Origin or Epic Store and be right. like, oh yeah, I need to go there if I want to play those. I forgot I even owned. That I hate game. that shit. So actually, I have come to totally understand why people hate nice. that shit because. I downloaded Titanfall, I think, on Origin. And I'm like, this is so fucking stupid. It was yeah. like, put it on Steam. You know, like, uh, I don't give a right. fuck if you make less money. <laughs> that was a good answer. That was a good, that was a good question. Thanks for the question, Evan. Um, so, anything else? You good? You want to tell people where they can find us? I, I just, uh, one last thing I want to add, because he made this call out to Facebook. The one oh, true. reason I think, the one way, the main way you could supplant Steam is if another type of form of gaming that becomes prominent through another storefront takes over so for example okay mobile facebook gaming is like big in mobile space if somehow mobile i mean like you can even just talk about the play store or the apple store right like they've technically replaced steam from a mobile game perspective yep yeah that's that's how i think in some kind of way you could circle back and supplant Steam, like I, the, I don't know if cloud gaming becomes crazy, and the way you interface to that is through like the Microsoft services, Amazon, and the Amazon services, yeah. <laughs> and then some, someday that's like the de facto way you get games, and that's like I could see that, but I don't in in their territory. Maybe I could put it that way. In this current PC ter- territory, like I can't see anybody right. outright supplanting them. Um, maybe Epic can get close. I don't know because, like, if with the increasing commoditization of Epic game making tech with Unreal Engine, maybe Unreal Engine is like so fucking good. Everyone's just like everyone, you know, like a large percentage of developers are like, we should use Unreal. And then if you're using Unreal, the difference between five percent and thirty percent is fucking huge. So anyway, that's no, that's interesting. It won't come easy. It won't come easy. No. And I think it also, for something to supplant Steam, even in like cloud or whatever, that would also require Steam to not innovate rapidly Correct. to get that. It would require Steam to be like lazy about it and not migrate fast enough. And I feel like Steam is is pretty good about keeping up with things like that. Or at least... You, you do? Because my, my impression of Valve is that they kind of only do shit if they find it interesting, you <laughs> yes. know? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I feel like their business surviving is something they find interesting. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like what would happen before that, though, is like... I think if Epic really was concerning to Valve and the Epic Store was really concerning to Valve, you'd just see Epic is, Valve be like, Okay, psych, it's 12% for everybody. You right, know what right. I mean? They haven't reduced their percent yet, so clearly Epic Store hasn't They're clearly launch. not that worried. Yep. Yeah. All right, where can people find us? You can find us at kokoalaentertainment.com. There you have links to all of our social media. Most importantly, this is really super, super importantly, Discord. Over the next few weeks, we got a, got a question on Instagram today. Somebody asked, how's game development going? Blah, blah, blah. And um, some people who have ordered merch recently, or patrons who have gotten some free merch recently, get um, get these like little sneak peek messages that I send them in the mail. But I'll let you guys know. Over the next few weeks, there's um, the biggest, most impactful content 
and development related release from our, that our studio's ever done. Where can I get the merch? Bob says he wants to know these secret messages himself. We will post the link here in a moment for you. You can get the merch. You can get a link to our merch in our website, kokoalaentertainment.com. There you have a uh, link that takes you right to our merch store. Um, that in- huge impact directly helps support studio expenses that we generally, well, not generally, we always just cover out of our own pockets. So uh, thank you so much for everyone who supports us this way. And keep your eyes peeled, especially join the Discord, follow us on whatever social media you follow, because there's big things literally, literally weeks away. If so. you if you want to know about the game, join the Discord in the next three weeks. It I'll, is the I'll, I'll most be that obvious sig- about it. <laughs> is the most impactful, significant content and up release slash update we've ever done. Indeed. So, so get ready, get hype. I get spent hype. a long I'm time making excited. that shit. So did Josh. So did Anthony. Various parts of it. So it's very exciting. Yes, I'm very, 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 very super, super excited. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Well, goodbye. 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 I like how my kids decide.